Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk to Mike Sando of The Athletic. He covers the NFL coming up here momentarily. We'll talk to him about the draft and, of course, Jordan Love, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, what's going on around the NFL? We'll ask him about some fits for uh, local guys here, too, as they move on to the next level. Gordon, uh, I don't know where you are in the Casa de Monson, but are you uh, anywhere near a, a window where you can look out over the valley? Uh, I can look. I see a couple windows, and it looks kind of uh, a little bit menacing out there right now. I'm just, I saw some pictures. Some people were tweeting out about the storm that's, that's mm-hmm. coming in, and it just looks wild. But right here where we are uh, in Vivint Smart Home Arena in, in our downtown studios, the, the window, the way it looks out, it looks basically east a little bit south. And it's not looking light right at the storm. So I was wondering if you could see the storm and if it's as crazy as those pictures looked. Uh, that I don't know. Not from what I can see, but uh, that doesn't. I'm just looking at one particular part from where I am. Okay. All right. By the, by the way, did you just. I mentioned this to Austin before we get to uh, out for our interview. Did you see that Jordan, Michael Jordan, one turned down, according to David Falk, his agent? $100 million for a two-hour appearance? Well, I guess it was, who was that appearance for, and what would I he be know. doing? Doesn't get into that, but he was, Falk was on some radio show somewhere, and he said that that Jordan, he's worth $2.1 billion, apparently, and that he, uh, he also, it says he turned down $7 million to play in a one-day golf tournament in Asia. Wow. So, how much was he offered to, to do a public appearance? One hundred million. What do you think that had to be for for him to say no? Uh, I, <laughs> I have no idea. But Falk says he's to the point now where he's very selective about what he chooses to do, and it, the, obviously money's not an issue with him. But a hundred million dollars uh, is a hundred million dollars. I mean, that had to be right. like Saddam Hussein inviting him into the palace, right? <laughs> I don't know. He didn't. He didn't get into the details of it. But uh, he, that had he to be said, that had to be Putin calling Jordan, being like, "Hey, come over, come over Falk, here and, and talk Falk to a group said, for us." Falk said that uh, Jordan has been criticized for his uh, his hobby of gambling, and but he then he says, "If if Mike uh, Michael loses a hundred and fifty grand playing golf, big freaking deal." If I told him tomorrow, "Hey, I've got an appearance for you for five minutes for a hundred and fifty thousand." He'd laugh at me. If it was one point five million, he wouldn't do it. Hmm. That's that's Jordan's life. Jordan's rules, I guess. Well, the only person on the show who can identify with that sort not of thing is no, nobody. Well, I mean, we're not all passing up Olympics over here. Yeah, but that was for work. What do you mean that was for work? It was for work. It wasn't for some pleasure trip. It was to go bust my hump for a month. I didn't want to do that. Go to a beautiful location and go to as many Olympic events as you could possibly soak up? That sounds horrible. It does, doesn't it? Doesn't Putin buy sneakers too, though? Putin does buy sneakers too, so maybe it wasn't Putin that he turned down. <laughs> what else would it have to be for? I don't know, but most your average uh, 
you know, uh, Joe and Jill six-pack out there thinking, turning down $100 million. Austin? Now, wait, yeah, I was about to say, you always ask me these questions. I always say, yes, I'd take the money, and then you look at me like, oh, what a bad person. You would do that for money? No, no, not a bad person. Just some of these scenarios have been rather risky on your part. Yes, but we're talking millions of dollars. $100 million, in fact. For a two-hour appearance? There's nothing I would not do for $100 million. Let it be known. Nothing? Nothing. Not a thing. $100 million. Everything's on Uh the table. Literally. You You name it, I'm there. Would you harm another human being? For $100 million? Talk to my attorney. (laughs) And I love it how you take it to the most extreme cases, not like, you know, I don't know. he He said something very extreme. There's nothing I wouldn't do, he said. Come on, yes there is. You wouldn't you wouldn't you wouldn't beat somebody up. You wouldn't uh, I, I, would, oh, yeah, I you would, would beat somebody up. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Next. <laughs> what else you got? Okay. Well Jordan wouldn't show up for two hours for that amount. So. I tell you, that's what I'm saying. I wonder who was asking him to make that public appearance, because it would have to be pretty bad for me to pass up $100 million regardless of my financial circumstance. Uh, he said it was for, Falk said it was for a two-hour appearance, but it also included using his name and likeness. So I don't know. Uh, Austin thought maybe it was the one for the, the country Jordan that wanted him to what was it, some sort no. of chamber of commerce? Yeah, that, that was back in the early 90s though. Oh, that this was for sure. Three, Folks says this was three years ago. I then this is a different scenario. Was. Yeah, it, the the country of Jordan offered Michael Jordan multiple millions of dollars. I want to say it was a hundred million, but I could be wrong. To do an ad for their tourism to the country of Jordan, he passed that up. Falk said he's been so successful it gives him an opportunity to do whatever the hell he wants or not to do things he doesn't want. I really admire that. He's very, very selective in the things he wants to be involved in. You know, I was just thinking about this because we were talking about it the other day. Boy, there's a big opportunity out there for an athlete named Chad, no? Yeah, apparently. Who's the best Chad of all time? Uh, Ocho Cinco? Chad Henney? Oh, Ocho Cinco's better than Chad Henney. Yeah. I suppose. There haven't been that many Chads out there, have there? Who's the best, who's the best Chad athlete of all time? Because they should be contacting the, the country Chad's Tourism Bureau. Hey, Austin, uh, he, it's, as I mentioned, it says here that Jordan turned down $7 million to take part in a one-day golf tournament. I'm wondering, is there anywhere on the planet that you would not go to for $7 million for Me? to play golf for one day? No, I'd move there permanently. You name the place, I'm there. <laughs> what, if, what if it was like you had to climb Mount Everest? Done. For that kind of cash? I'll do it naked. Right. All right. <laughs> Let's get out to the Sprint special guest line. Sprint, they make it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Joining us now from The Athletic, he covers the NFL. He's Mike Sando with us on The Big Show. Hi, Mike. How are you? Good. How's it going? Hey, we're doing great. Uh, thank goodness the NFL is still around for all this to uh, to give us a little juice, a little news, a little something to talk about. And, of course, all of a sudden the NFL world is uh, surrounding Jordan Love randomly. Give us your take on the Packers taking the Utah State quarterback. Yeah, clearly this is the league 
doing sports radio uh, uh, were solid for the rest of the off season. I mean, this was exactly what was needed to stir it up. But um, it's unprecedented, really. I think for somebody, usually when you have a great you know quarterback who's still playing decently. Um, that doesn't happen, you know. You'd have an owner of the team maybe say, "Hey guys, let's not do this. Let's let's get a receiver. Let's um, let's try to maximize this window." But in Green Bay, they don't have an owner. You know, it's a bunch of shareholders, and I'm pretty sure they don't consult them on the both. So, I think it is an interesting situation. You have to wonder, um, you know, is Rogers going to be there in a year or two? I, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if this was the beginning of the end. Now, Love has to look decent, and they have to want to go to him. But I think from from Rogers' perspective, this isn't positive, you know? So so it's you don't think that's an overreaction for everyone to freak out, considering that Aaron Rodgers himself sat for three years behind Brett Favre? Because if, if Jordan Love were yeah. to take over, first of all, if Rodgers were to play another three years, I mean, by then he'd be 39. So, And then Jordan Love presumably would be ready to go at that point. Is that still not legitimate? Well, if that's your plan, so there's two ways to look at this. Rodgers sat for three years, but that wasn't the plan when they drafted him. When they drafted him, Favre was going year to year, and he was you know, making him wait, and he only announced he was going to play a month before the draft. So they got Rodgers with the plan of playing Rodgers. And then Favre changed that by he, he kept playing. Um, in this case, uh, and by the way, they didn't trade up for Rodgers. He just sort of fell to him. In this case, uh, you've got a new contract for Rodgers, um, and if you're going to have if the plan is to have Jordan Love on the bench for three years, then what good's he doing there? Because you're going to try to win a Super Bowl between now and then with Aaron Rodgers, and to do that, you need some guys to throw the ball that that we've heard of, you know. And so to come out of the draft as one of seven teams that didn't pick a receiver when you can't even name their receivers besides Devontae Adams, and he's throwing the ball to Adams disproportionately, and everyone knew they needed some more weaponry. Is then then is that a good plan? You know, why, why would you have a quarterback on the bench for three years? Mike, how do you think the draft went overall, given these circumstances? I thought it was great. You know, I really thought they handled it well. Uh, it was nice to see the kids of some of the players, even Belichick's dog. I thought that was great to look at the different home setups. I mean, Mike Zimmer looked like he was uh, the manager at the Bass Pro Shop. You know, in the back, and he, he's got heads of animals around. Looks like you know, and then you got Cliff Kingsbury. Looks like he's on a '80s movie set in L.A. You know, for risky business or something. And, and then you had, uh, you know, Brian Flory's kids are making faces while he's on the phone. Uh, I just thought I thought that was pretty cool and kept you engaged in a way that you wouldn't have if it's just Goodell going to the podium in a suit. Hmm. What, uh, I don't know if you noticed this or not, but the University of Utah had seven players taken during the draft, which is fairly lofty. I mean, I know uh, Alabama's had some years where they had a whole bunch of players taken, but but uh, had you paid any attention to guys like Jalen Johnson and others? That is awesome. You know, I actually didn't know that it was seven, so that's amazing. Uh, yeah. Something in the water there. That's that's really impressive. Uh, well, there's been there's I been did. a lot of talk, Mike. There's been a lot of talk about programs that develop talent, and it seems like Utah is one of those. Yeah, I know that's a really great number. And yeah, Dylan Johnson was somebody that uh, was very highly thought of. You know, and and was perceived to be a good value where they got him. I think was it at the fifty first pick, right around there. Um, so yeah, that, that's that's really good. 
What do you think about Joe Burrow? How will that go in Cincinnati where they've had several high-pick quarterbacks that hasn't really worked out? Yeah, you know, I think Palmer, Carson Palmer was such a great talent, and I thought he actually did pretty well under the circumstances. They went to the playoffs, he had a terrible injury. But in the end, you know, the organization just sort of uh, holds you back. And if you remember Carson Palmer, he asked to leave, said he wouldn't play there again. So that's really my fear is that you've got this, you know, good quarterback, but almost all of them need help in an organization. And we may be seeing a little bit that, Marvin Lewis, for as criticized as he was as the coach, you know, maybe he did pretty well in the circumstances there. And we don't really know if Zach Taylor, who has no experience, is uh, going to be able to do that. So that's that's my concern. I think it's a real legitimate concern that you got a good quarterback going to a tough place, and will he be able to overcome that over time? Is Joe Burrow the slam dunk best quarterback in this draft, or would you be surprised to see maybe Justin Herbert or Tua or somebody else yeah. uh, step up and be a star? I wouldn't be surprised at all. You know, I think I always joke that you know the head coach and the quarterback are the two most important people on an NFL team, and no one knows how to hire either one of them, right? You know, I mean, there's just uh, the projecting of quarterbacks and who's going to be good or great. It's so rare that there's somebody that comes along that is John Elway or, you know, where you just, everybody feels for sure he's going to be great. And that's how I feel about this class. I think two of them might have been the number one pick had he not had the injury. And so if he's healthy, maybe he, uh, you know, if his situation's better, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Herbert was one where people seem to say, you know, I mean, I talked to dozens of people in the league and most of them feel like there's just something not quite there or something missing. So, We'll see if that means anything, but I might be a little bit more surprised if he ended up being the best, but not if Tua did. Mike, are you surprised the Patriots didn't grab a quarterback? Um, not surprised. You know, I, I sort of thought that, uh, you know, from where they were at, were they going to trade up big for somebody? I didn't think that was going to be realistic. And I kind of thought maybe they would be in the market for a veteran later. I don't think they're going to pay big for a quarterback this year. Um, if they were going to pay big, you know, why wouldn't you just pay enough to and get it done with Brady or not even let him hit the market? So it feels like they're going to be a year where they're not as good at quarterback, and who knows, maybe they'll be drafting early next year. Which team do you think made out the best with the draft? There's been a, the Ravens have been praised, the Cowboys, the Browns, some others. Yeah. Uh, who do you like? Yeah, you know, um, I like those teams. Um, I thought for a team that you know, wasn't that good um, – you know, last season that Denver was interesting to me. You know, there, there was arguably an overemphasis of doing wide receivers early, but I feel like they're a team that's pretty good on defense already, you know, and they have a couple of really good pass rushers. They have Vic Fangio, who's a good uh, defensive coach. Maybe they're going to be okay on that side of the ball. And now for your young quarterback, you get Jerry Judy, who was kind of seen as maybe, you know, the, the most polished, best all-around receiver in the draft. To get him, to get a better wide out, you know, maybe that's a pretty good look for them. Mike, uh, Taysom Hill, obviously very popular around here, played his uh, his college ball at BYU. Uh, he signs a two-year deal with the Saints to stay there, 16 mil guaranteed, but the Saints also signed Jameis Winston. Explain yeah. what exactly they're doing. Yeah, I don't think that uh, Taysom Hill is going to become a full-time quarterback. You know, and and I don't think he's seen that way. And so I know he wants to have a bigger role, but I think his role's pretty darn good and, and he's effective in what he's doing and he makes a difference for their team. And that role could grow depending on who the quarterback is in the future. But 
Um, I don't know if the body of work is there as a passer for somebody to just go all in with him, you know, from the start of the season as your every down quarterback. Will you address how teams go about draft? Jake mentioned that the the Patriots didn't didn't uh, draft a quarterback, but it's it's a lot more complex than that, right? I mean, teams are observing the player, the personnel they already have in the fold, and if they don't see somebody who's better than who they think they already got, then then yeah. there's no reason to go ahead and and use a pick like that, right? It's much more complicated than just saying, "Oh, yeah. they need a quarterback. Why didn't you draft one?" Right. So like for the Patriots situation, they have Brian Hoyer, who's not a starter, but knows the offense. Uh, and so he's an ideal backup. They have Jared Stidham, who they drafted last year, who they kind of like. But, you know, if they could get somebody who's way better, they probably would. So now you're sitting in the draft, you're picking late in the first round. You're not really sure about Jordan Love. You know, you, if you bring him in, is he a two-year developmental guy uh, who's on the same track as Stidham? And then we haven't really overly differentiated you know i think that's where where teams um you, you know that come into play you're going to take a from in the draft you know and then all of a sudden he's what you already got so i think from a Patriots standpoint they probably have the quarterbacks the way they grade them um in kind of different tiers of whether this guy's going to be a, a sure starter or more of a developmental or a backup well they already have a backup in hoyer they already have a developmental in Stidham. They're not signing anybody else unless that person's a clear starter, in my opinion. Mike, thank you so much for a few minutes. We really appreciate it. And uh, just to reiterate, thank goodness the NFL is still, uh, the wheels are still grinding a little bit. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, and, and keep churning out those Utah products. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Mike Sando covers the NFL for The Athletic. Fun to get him on and talk about all that's going on uh, going on around the league. And you heard him talk about Taysom as much as BYU fans think he's the heir apparent to Drew Brees. I don't know if the Saints view him that way. No, and I, I, you and I had that discussion the other day, and I got some feedback from BYU fans saying, you're not paying attention. They are uh, The Saints have every intention of having Taysom Hill be their full-time quarterback. And I'm like, uh... Uh, I don't think so. I mean, it could happen under duress, but I don't think that is the absolute plan. And even if people say publicly that they are giving a vote of confidence to him, I mean, they're they're not going to say, you know, Taysom Hill's not a starter when they just signed him to a deal in a role that is very productive for him, Jake. And I agree with what you've said from the very beginning with Taysom Hill that, He's so unique in his ability to do the things that the Saints have him doing. Why why use him as a full-time quarterback when you don't think he has the accuracy, the dependable arm that uh, that you're looking for, yeah, especially he, coming off the heels of a Drew Brees? Yeah, I, I, you're right. It, it takes away from what makes him special, and it's, it's the way I've felt all along, and he's no less valuable to that franchise. He's just not going to be the heir apparent to Drew Brees. And I saw some of that feedback that we were getting about that and quoting Sean Payton, talking about Payton. Well, yeah. actions with, with sports, it, it never ceases to amaze me how people believe you know, what coaches and front office uh, people say at, at its bare value. And it's like, uh, it's just not that simple. And look at the actions. You know, the, the Saints, honestly, and this sounds mean, but the Saints don't want Taysom Hill even as the backup to Drew Brees. <laughs> they want Taysom Hill to be Taysom Hill. 
They, I mean, if Drew Brees, when Drew Brees got hurt last year, it wasn't Taysom who came in, it was Teddy Bridgewater. And this year, if Drew Brees gets hurt, who's coming in, Gordon? It's Jameis. They didn't, they yeah. didn't sign him to, to not be Drew Brees' backup. Uh, Jake, you're not paying attention. Well, if I wasn't paying attention, let me let me put it this way. If you say Taysom Hill is the heir apparent of Drew Brees, you're not paying attention because you ignore the fact that they signed another quarterback. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who wouldn't Taysom sign Hill, there to play third string? Taysom Hill is just a fantastic athlete, but he's not a full-time quarterback in the NFL. And you know what? He He shouldn't want to be. He's making a ton of money doing this hybrid thing, and he could he could kind of leave his mark on football if you really want to look at it that way. He had to learn well, to he, kick at this point. Why not? Never get hit again. He already has made an impact. I mean, he's very well known around the league for his unique set of uh, skills. Well, I mean, like uh, I guess what I meant by impact was uh, could he create a new position? Are our teams going to try and draft these hybrid quarterbacks going forward? Yes. I think the answer is yes. He is the prototypical athlete. Or, if you're from the South, athlete. Uh, Coming up next, we're going to do drops of the day, or drop of the day. Gordon has selected two days. It's relevant to jazz fans and, of course, John and Carl fans, or specifically John fans, I should say. We'll get to that coming up next. Stay tuned. It's The Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 of The Zone. If you missed yesterday's uh, sounds uh, of various uh, clips, then you won't know exactly what we're talking about right now. But that is definitely appointment radio, isn't it? We come on in this loop, John B. Show Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time for Sounds of Random Clips, also known as Drop of the Day, here on The Big Show on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Gordon, you selected today's Drop of the Day. Explain. Oh, I have no explanation for it. It's just a uh, dispute or argument uh, between uh, Stephen A. Smith and Max Kellerman about who was better, John Stockton or Isaiah Thomas? Well, there are two things. One, I said really what this comes down to is Leitner's inclusion on the team because they chose to take a collegiate athlete, and Leitner was the most famous and most successful of the collegiate players at the time. Um, that's really who Isaiah should have gone instead of. You guys are just insisting that, that there's no, competition, no comparison between Isaiah and Stockton. In fact, that's very close. Now, ultimately, I agree with you by a hair that it's Isaiah because I think his peak He was a little closer to a dominant superstar. You could build a team around Isaiah. You know, he was a little, I'd prefer him at his peak, but Stockton had a much longer career and his peak was nearly as good and he had many more great seasons than Isaiah did. So, and doubling his assist totals a lot of years. Much more efficient scorer. Okay, but Isaiah had guys too. Max, he had Carl Malone. Who else on the the Pistons team would you compare to Carl Malone? that, that's not the point. Just get, having another superstar player is not going to inflate your assist totals by 100%. In addition, he was a much more efficient scorer and a better defender. By, you know, he, was, he was all NBA first defensive team a lot of times. Isaiah never, or, or, uh, yeah, Isaiah wasn't. The point is this, and also all NBA team. Stockton made many more. But the point is this. Stockton, Isaiah, ultimately, I'd, I'd have to also go with Isaiah by a hair. 
The issue with Jordan, Magic versus Jordan, is what has also been reported is that Michael Jordan had to sign off on the final roster. So however you get there, and again, Leitner was there instead of Isaiah, really. That's the one I'd swap out. Jordan had to sign off on the final roster. So if he's signing off you know with what, Isaiah man? not on the team, ultimately, what is that? You know something, Max? You know, um, on this occasion, and please get Michael Jordan off the screen. I want to be on camera for this. I want to be on camera for this. You know, Max, you know, when we talk about boxing, I know a thing or two about boxing. But I also know to step the hell back when Max starts talking boxing because there are levels to this, okay? And when you sit up there and you just want to summarily ignore the fact that a vast majority of Stockton's success as a point guard in the NBA is primarily because Carl Malone. And Jay brings up, there was no Carl Malone under Detroit Pistons offensively. There wasn't pick and rolls being run to that degree where John Stockton's offensive proficiency was directly related to Carl Malone. And you just want to ignore that. This is moments when I feel your basketball court should be stripped and you should be put in a vault and locked away until the basketball season's over. Because I don't understand stuff like that. It's That's an absurd point. When you are you two actually like arguing that, that, that the president? Hold on, hold on. Hold, wait a minute. Hold, hold, we arguing? let you speak, Max. Max, we did let you speak. We did let you speak. The only reason oh, we brought up absurd, Stockton you're making absurd with Isaiah. The, hold on. The only reason we brought up Stockton with Isaiah. We know that what you said about Christian Leitner. We get that. Nobody's disputing that, Max. But you brought up Stockton compared to Isaiah. And anybody with two eyes, Very and with close. those eyes of yours, I can't believe you missed it. With those eyes of yours, those Beetlejuice eyes, I can't believe that you can sit up there and say, by your hair? Stockton. Hair. Listen, Stockton. Well, Stockton well, shooting let's, wide let's, open let's shots. I'll facts. give it to you, Jay. I'll give it to you, Jay. Stockton shooting wide open jump shots. Stockton was not looking to pass almost all the time. So a lot of times people laid off him. He got a lot more open and un contested shots than you would realize because people were stuck with, with, you know, descending upon Carl Malone. All of those things factor. Isaiah never had that luxury. Never had that luxury. But that Guys, would be basketball there are other, talk, not numbers. There are so other pick and roll partners with superstars in the NBA in history. I understand where you would inflate it a little bit. By the way, ultimately, I'll take Isaiah by a little. But that does not a explain 11 all-NBA selections. That does not explain five de- all NBA defensive selections. That does not explain open jumps. Out there, does not explain that much more proficiency Go ahead, Jay. shooting the ball. And Max. you could add a few Max. assists if you want. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Stockton was averaging You're talking more basketball and basketball over people. the course of like half a decade. What are you guys talking about? What are you talking about? The fact of the matter is, you know, I'm, you I'm walked into facts. a game against the Utah Jazz. Hold on, Max. We we let you speak, and you ain't the basketball guy. And we let you do most of the talking. Paul Malone too. and John Stockton was the, the uh, was the offense. I just finished telling you when it come to boxing, I lay off. Did I not? 
I did say that. In other words, what I'm saying That's is I you, understand bro. that you're level of expertise. Every time you open your mouth about basketball, it's clear this ain't your expertise. You don't know what the hell you're talking about. The offense right between so John Stockton and Carl Malone, the, the offense between those two, that's what their offense was predicated on. Isaiah Thomas had okay, everybody. It, it wasn't about them offensively. Thank it was you, Isaiah Thomas's offense. It was Stockton to Malone in Utah. Isaiah Thomas was surrounded by a bunch of defenders, hustle guys, rough riders, and what have you. He was the face of that franchise and the face of their offense. He was their number one option. There has never been a game, let alone a season, where John Stockton was the number one option. It's ridiculous. It's yes, ridiculous. It doesn't even make no sense. You are giving the evidence. You are giving the evidence for Isaiah Thomas, which I subscribe to. Ultimately, I got him by a hair. He was also by a, a Finals hair. MVP and by they won two finals. By a hair. However, by a hair. you guys are acting like Stockton's not in the conversation. Gordon? What do you think? Well, I thought Isaiah Thomas was a fantastic talent. I mean, there were times when he could not be guarded. And from that standpoint, I think he was more explosive than John was. But first of all, the way that argument was framed, Max was trying to give some facts about why he respected what Stockton did. And Stephen A. Smith essentially was saying he didn't know anything about basketball and trying to undermine his credibility with emotion. And so I, I thought Max was uh, more effective in saying what he had to say while Stephen A. was just taking the volume up and yelling at him. Uh, so, uh, uh, you know, I mean, the argument was flawed to begin with, but that's what Stephen A. Smith does, and that's why he's making $10 million a year or whatever. Uh, I, I, I guess if I had to win a playoff series, I might give Isaiah Thomas a bit of an edge, but, but yeah, I agree with what Max was saying. It is Stockton was so good, so good, at, and not just hitting open shots, and not just benefiting from Carl Malone and his great talent, but by controlling the tempo of games by distributing the ball, not just to Carl, but to everyone. Not not everyone on the Jazz was anywhere near what Carl Malone was, and yet Stockton found a way to make uh, people like uh, uh, Antoine Carr great. I mean, so I, I think that argument was flawed. But I know most Jazz fans are going to say, oh, it's Stockton by a mile. I think it's real, real close. Uh, but I'm not going to disparage John Stockton uh, in any way, shape, or form in this discussion. You know what I, I took from that, Gordon? That uh, Stephen A. Smith is a lot like PK in this one way. Oh, jeez, I'm sure. I'm sure PK will take that as a compliment. They both have a tendency to still and and the capability of still ranting and raving and yelling even when they're completely out of breath. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about, Austin? Where well, they're still they're still spitting it out, even though they even though they're out of breath. Yeah, uh, that's a real skill. That's what I'm saying. They have that in common. They ought to try singing opera. That takes a lot of lungs, too. Right. <laughs> but somehow they can what still you, finish their point with with great exuberance, even though they're out of breath. What did you think of Smith's uh, reasoning for for saying that Stockton wasn't in the same area code as Isaiah Thomas, uh, taking credit away from John and giving it to Carl Malone. 
Um, I, I think you can make that argument. I mean, there's no right or wrong answer. I mean, I make the, the, the same argument to you. I mean, you always tell me how great Magic Johnson was, but then you look at the team around him and it's like, well, was he really that great or is he just playing with, you know, Kareem and James Worthy? Well, they didn't win champ. They didn't win a championship uh, when before Magic got there. As far as with the regularity, they did after he was there. But so. you get what I'm saying, right? I mean, I'm slightly poking fun of your Laker fandom, but you understand what I'm saying, right? I mean, I, isn't I that an interesting argument where you say, "Oh, this person wasn't as good because their teammate was good"? I do. I think Magic was better than John. Yes, I do. Uh, and uh, but I'm not going to take credit away from John Stockton because Carl was great. Uh, that that seemed like seems like a flawed argument. Right. But, I mean, Isaiah didn't have a ton of help offensively, except for people who undersell Joe Dumars. Joe Dumars is really good. That dude could shoot. Well, that team was good. Uh, but, but I'm talking Isaiah, offensively. Uh, I mean, off, uh, you know, Dennis Rodman was never an offensive player. Bill Ram- Lambeer was never scoring 30 a game. I once uh, asked an unnamed member of the Jazz who was better, Isaiah Thomas or John Stockton. I was a little surprised by the answer I got. John Stockton is the best point guard. That's not what he said. He said Isaiah was better. But uh, that's sacrilege to Jazz fans. Who said it? Uh, I'm not going to say. Fake news. Nope, it wasn't fake. Well, then who said it? straight to my face. I promised him... Anonymity. Well, then, you know, fake news. The greatest pure point guard to ever play was Shotsa. Because I will not reveal who told me that does not make it fake news. Well, I mean, I remember exactly where I was standing. I remember exactly who said it and his tone of voice when he said it. And he meant it. Those kind of so, unverifiable details don't don't make it more believable. Uh, I already said today's National Honesty Day. Was Puxley standing next to you? No, no. It's National Honesty Day. We have to tell the truth. And we're going to see how long we can go, how many days in a row we can go without. Where was Puxley at all? What? Where was Puxley? Where your was your he? childhood goalie on your hockey team. What do you mean? Where was he? Where was he at the time? At what time? I'm just saying that, you know, he was fictional. Look, this was not fictional. This was absolute truth. All right. Let's get out of at the least zone. The way, at least the way this jazz player saw it. Let's get out of the zone phone. Joining us now from the warehouse, two locations for you. Still making it happen. Best deals in town. 1967 South 300 West in Salt Lake City. 86 East University Parkway right there in Orem. Our friend Tom joins us once again. Tom, what's going on? Hey, National Honesty Day, I've got to tell you, the greatest, the GOAT, the greatest afternoon show of all time is the big show. Yeah, my guy Tom. Huh? I like that one, Gordon. The greatest of all time. Hey, we are down here, and we've talked a lot, Jake, about adjustable beds in the past. And with the current situation what, that we are in and uh, local businesses, especially our industry that's been hit so hard, this is the greatest time of all time to buy an adjustable bed. I have an Enzo PB175 Queen adjustable bed. I'm going to do the Queen adjustable bed with a Miranda. The name of the mattress is Miranda. 
the whole deal for five ninety nine. I have one that I can do for four ninety nine, but this one is the one that's normally about fourteen hundred dollars for five ninety nine, which is just incredible. How about uh, we do a five seventy five queen adjustable with a latex hybrid? This is the base that has all the features. Uh, you want one touch favorite memory spot, boom. You want one touch zero gravity, boom. This is the boom bed. 24 settings of massage, LED lights, USBs with a latex hybrid, the entire package, only $1,299. It's a $3,900 bed on somebody's best deal. We also have the King Gordon special. This is a King adjustable bed, motorized adjustable bed with a latex, excuse me, this is a gel-infused hybrid mattress, the entire deal, only $9.99. And if you come in tomorrow or you come in Saturday, you mention that you heard us on The Big Show, and I'm going to give you a free mattress protector, any adjustable bed purchase. Come and see us. This is the warehouse. We uh, I'm at the Orem store. We have two easy locations. Jake, hit them with the addresses. Boom. You got it, Tom. 86 East University Parkway there in Orem in Salt Lake, 1967 South, 300 West. Get down there and see them. It's the big show, 97.5 and 1280 of the zone. Big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 the zone. A uh, little programming update for you. Uh, coming up top of the 6 o'clock hour, we've got a little Doc Talk. Hans Olsen in the house. Uh, that'll be on both signals. And then at 7, we have the Movie Zone. Austin Horton, Johnny Lightfoot. Uh, what's coming up on the Movie Zone, Austin? Give us a little uh, little teaser. Sure. Blake Anderson, president of Megaplex. You'll hear from him. Uh, we are talking high school movies. Some movies about high school or based in high school. And also, Universal, making some controversial decisions AMC, the biggest uh, movie chain, movie theater chain in America, not too happy about it. All right, that's coming up at 7 o'clock. What's the poll question? Uh, your favorite high school musical, or musical, your favorite high school movie. We'll also uh, look back on Shrek. Okay. 19 years ago this week, Shrek came out. Wow, that's you mean, crazy. You mean a high school movie that centers on being in high school or a movie you saw when you were it, in high You school? can take it however you'd like. Uh, it could just have a high school in it. But, you know, a high school movie. I, I took it as like a, a high school-centered movie. Maybe movie you see in high school. I don't know, Gordon. Like fast what, what Times you, at Ridgemont High. Fast Times, like that. That, that comes up. I love that movie. American Graffiti is a great movie. I love Dazed and Confused. That's a good answer. I've got a whole list that I'll share with you. It was Johnny Lightfoot's uh, poll question because he just recently finally saw Mean Girls for the first what time. A, I love Mean Girls. Yes. What about Bye Bye Birdie, Gordon? That's back in your wheelhouse. <laughs> <laughs> I did see Bye Bye Birdie way back when, but uh, I I wouldn't put that at the top of the you list. You had a thing for Ann Margaret. We know. I got it. Who didn't? What was wrong with Ann Margaret? Nothing. I'm just saying you had a thing. Everybody had a thing for Ann Margaret back then, right? Newsies uh, would never have been the same without Ann Margaret. Or grumpy old men, for that matter. For sure. Who would you go with? Uh, well, that's sort of a, a question that. Based on your own personal <laughs> uh, view of oh things, Anne Margaret or Raquel Welsh? 
Oh, fuzzy britches. And Margaret? That's a line from Shawshank. Yeah, right. You, Gordon? I'm just, I'm just waiting for an answer. I gave you an answer. What was your answer? And Margaret. Uh, Raquel Welsh was fairly spectacular, especially for a young teenage boy. Okay. Just took a turn for the creepy chops. Yeah, right. And Margaret could sing. I was thinking, like, who am I going to cast in the movie I'm directing? Right. Gordon comes in with puberty talk. Especially for a young boy. Doc talk next. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> Get your <laughs> developmental questions in now. Great. Sorry, Dr. Burks, but Gordon started it. Yeah, this is all Gordo. Where's Andrew when we need him? Uh, <laughs> all right, Gordon, what are you, uh, do you get to select the movie tonight at your household? Are you guys still doing that? Yeah, still doing it. I, I don't know. We've sort of been leaving it up to the last minute. Last night I watched a movie uh, that I hadn't seen, but a lot of people have seen Warrior. I have Tom, no idea what Tom, that is. Tom Hardy. Yeah, I haven't seen it. What's it about? And, oh, it's incredible. Uh, did you really like it, Oz? Yeah, it, uh, wasn't it nominated for an Oscar? It was. It's, Jake, you would know. love that movie. What if, yeah, well, it sounds like Gordon did not. A lot of a lot of uh, in the cage grappling and fighting and punching and kicking in, in that movie. But uh, yeah, I hadn't seen it before. Tom Hardy, he's kind of an intense actor, isn't he? Yes. He was good in, uh, what's this called, the the Netflix show, The Peaky Blinders. He was awesome. Yeah. Uh, uh, Christopher Nolan said about Tom Hardy, he's the only actor on earth that can act with just his eyes. Huh. I can <laughs> and that's that. why in Christopher Nolan's movies, Tom Hardy often has most of his face covered. Like Bane in that terrible Batman movie? Or Dunkirk. <laughs> he's got the flighter, the fly, uh, fight, fighter pilot mask over him the whole time. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, you know when I think of intense actors, I think of someone like uh, Tom Hardy or maybe uh, Edward Norton. Would you say intense? Kind of intense? Yeah. Uh, I don't know about Ed Norton. The Hulk. Everybody tries to forget. Intense uh, the, actor. I I think. Uh, I hear. I I actually I did read something that when he did that movie uh, Fight Club, he lost himself a little bit in the method. That's so a great so. movie. Uh, that's a, a weird terrific. movie. It, oh yeah, it's 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 totally weird. Daniel All right. Day Lewis. Yeah, he's he's intense. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Michael Keaton. <laughs> right, more of not this at seven. Yeah, <laughs> movie zone coming up at seven o'clock. <laughs> Doc Talk is coming up next. Hey Gordon, uh, good times. I'll I'll talk to you tomorrow on a Friday, buddy. Yeah, you guys take care of yourselves. All our listeners, be safe. Ninety-seven five twelve eighty. The zone. I knew that was about the end of it. So long, farewell.